welcome to Zombie Fishbowl, a podcast about random shit. I'm Danielle, the one who's dialing it in today due to university deadlines, and with me is Melanie, the saviour of this podcast. Despite everything going on in the US of A, she's put together some special content this week. Thanks, Melanie! You're welcome! Hello! Hello! How are you over there in the uh, land of the free? <laughs> Good, I'm fine. It's great. Good. I'm tired. <laughs> everything's on fire, but everything is fine. Yeah, everything's on fire. Our my my state, my country, my our democracy, the whole thing. It's great. It's fantastic. Fantastic. It's a good time. Riding it out, baby. I mean, that's all you can really do. And take the occasional nap. I don't nap, so I'm just kind of like wide-eyed, bloodshot, you know, grimace of of pain and anxiety, uh, but with like a huge, huge, you know, I'm, a good smile on my face because, you know, it, it can only get better, right? Right? Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, it can't get any worse, can it? <laughs> it can always get worse. <laughs> can always get worse, Melanie. But right now, right now, we're living outside of that bubble just for yes. a little bit. Yes. Um, but yeah, so like we just dive right in if you like. Yeah. As yeah. in like, like carry on the momentum of the episode. Do you have any updates you want to bring to our listeners? Um, not, not yet. Well, actually, you know what? Why not? Um, the, my sister, Mikey, has a YouTube channel called Mikey Makes, and uh, if you haven't checked it out, you really, really should. She's absolutely adorable. She does makeup looks, uh, cooking, arts and crafts, just all kind of adorable stuff. She's freaking cute. And coming up at some point this month, uh, I will be featured on it telling her ghost stories. So there's that. And yeah. yeah. They are a ridiculously talented family. It, like, oozes out of their every orifice every single one of them in that family it's it's kind of something to behold <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> it's worth checking out anyway uh she's she's very very talented and very very good at what she does and also incredibly funny and adorable yeah charming beautiful the whole everything you could want from uh, a human yeah everything, everything to be jealous of but <laughs> instead i i don't feel jealousy i feel mudita which is, the, which is the joy that you you feel when you see joy in others. Oh, I like. It's much, much nicer to feel good for people having a nice time than it is to feel jealous. Uh, yes, absolutely. So, although part of me goes, fucking bitch. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Uh, my update is only, um, I've kind of hinted at it and we've talked about it before, but my uni has begun and suddenly I'm having to really plan my time out and I've like dropped the ball last week. So I've um, learned and adapted and I should be good to go from now on for the time being. But uh, that's kind of my only thing I just uh, wanted to, I think we've already kind of laid it out there, but I just wanted to make sure that that was a very succinct way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Girl is uh, up to her tits and research, so you know we do what we can when we can. Yeah, I don't moment. want I don't want your sympathy, but I do want your attention and your validation. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, that's it really. 
um there's nothing really to do with the podcast per se um other than i hope that the sounds good on this one because we've been having some sound things going on lately so i hope well, this listen, is okay listening to you here it sounds quite good i hope i yeah. sound good yeah i think it's because of the whole world being on the internet all the time sometimes it's very hit and miss isn't it yeah so hopefully this one's good and it doesn't sound like we're broadcasting from a submarine <laughs> so. although that like... would be cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you, um, all right, well, that's it. Uh, it uh, international you, waters is what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, that'd be nice. That'd be like nice. pirate radio? Yes, yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry. That's okay. Um, would you like, um, do you have a thing? Um, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, so I watched all of the TNG movies this last week. <laughs> Yeah. In order to finally uh, watch Picard, and if you are not a Star Trek fan, TNG is the Next Generation, which is the second series in the Star Trek series, um, and so far my favorite. And you know, I found that weirdly enough, the movies that got the worst reviews, I liked the most, mm. um, because I feel like people forgot that TNG is actually cheesy. Mm. So the movies are perfect. I think the movies are like. They, they just feel like slightly longer episodes with slightly better budgets. And mm-hmm. I enjoyed the shit out of them. So anybody who, who hated on, um, uh, on on Nemesis and what was the other one that got terrible reviews? Oh. Insurrection? Yes, yes. Anybody who hated on that, I think you, I think it's been a while since you've seen the show when those movies came out. And, <laughs> and you, you, you need to really, like... Rewatch the series and rewatch the movies and go, oh, yeah, no, it's perfect. They're right on, right on. So, yeah, that's mine. I really enjoyed it. And now I get to watch Picard. I'm on the second episode, and holy shit. It's so good. <laughs> it's <laughs> Did so you cry good. at the end of the first episode when he goes oh, God. engaged? Yeah. Yes. yeah. I literally started sobbing at the end of that episode. I was like, this is going to be amazing. Yeah, and at the, I mean, at the, even at the end of um, Nemesis, I was I was fucking sobbing. Yeah. When uh, yeah, it was it was funny. Yeah, and that was like a better wrap up than the series had. I felt so, so solid. Mm. All right. Yeah. So cool. that's my thing. <laughs> cool. That's all right. Um, I've got a bad and a good thing. All right, go. So uh, my bad thing is nerve twitches. Mm. You know the ones that you get in your bum. Or like in your arm and no matter how much you move around it just keeps twitching and annoying you and you like crack your knuckles and you do all sorts of things and you try to make it go away and your muscle is still twitching yeah i really fucking hate them yeah i get them in my eye yeah 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 oh god that one's the worst yeah the yeah. eyes definitely i had one earlier in my bum and it didn't matter <laughs> didn't matter what position i sat in and i even like moved chairs and everything and it just kept twitching Oh, yeah. It's like a stress-induced muscle spasm. I have a, a mild stress-induced uh, Tourette's, and um, it's 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 a similar thing. Thankfully, it's it's just moments. So I'll just kind of thing, whereas my neck just seizes. Um, but, yeah, man, stress-induced muscle spasms, those are balls. Yeah, I don't know if it was stress-induced. I I do know what you mean, but the, the eye twitches tend to be stress-induced. But the bum twitch, I don't know what that was. I was perfectly calm and chilled, and I was just reading a book, and then my bum started twitching. I found it really annoying and really distracting, and I Your really ass. found it difficult to concentrate on um, 
the gender studies book that I was reading. Your ass was panicking is what was happening. <laughs> the rest of you felt fine, but your ass was just like, you don't realize how fucking stressed I am right now. <laughs> yeah, that was where all my anxiety had settled yeah. while I was reading. You yes. you thought you could forget about all your worries. It's all here in your bum. Anyway, um, I have a good thing, but I'm not sure if I should brag about it now because somebody on Instagram made me feel bad. Um, oh. Yeah, because like last week was my birthday. And so I went and stayed a night out in a hotel in another town and we drank cocktails and I ate sushi and I got to wear heels because I didn't go outside and so all you have to do is go from your hotel room to the restaurant so I was like I can wear heels because that won't hurt yeah and so I got to like dress up pretty and like not dress up pretty but like dress up and I don't wear makeup which is why I don't want to add that little it's like I just dressed mm-hmm. up and I was wearing heels and I was wearing a dress and I wanted and I ate lots of sushi and I drank lots of cocktails and I felt nice but then like I've just been like completely um guilted by somebody on facebook sorry on instagram <laughs> who um is basically telling me i'm a selfish prick for going out and eating at a restaurant not me personally but just anybody eating out in restaurants how unethical it is and that we should be ashamed of ourselves for going out and now i feel bad so i don't know what to think anymore because um you know on the one hand Uh, we're being told that we're allowed to go and do these things and we should go do these things and these things are good for our mental health so we should go do them and also because if restaurants are open we should probably be giving them money and then on the other hand have all of these people that are like really like immunocompromised who are shielding and that are going oh well good for you uh meanwhile you're spreading coronavirus everywhere you fucking selfish assholes and i'm thinking there's there's validate there's valid validity in that argument but and i do feel wearing masks and your servers were probably wearing masks right restaurants though you don't have to wear restaurants you don't have to wear masks in restaurants were your like, servers wearing masks oh that's weird yeah here out here our servers wear masks the whole time we wear masks when the server's at the table um and then you know when we're eating and stuff we could take off our masks and whatnot but i mean i i know it sounds stupid to say it, you have to assume that they're taking all the precautions um but you would have to assume that they're taking all the precautions because they really want to be open and taking your money. I don't, I wouldn't blame you. I, I go to restaurants all the fucking time. <laughs> it's like, get me out of the house. And yeah. but we're, we're being as safe as we possibly can. And, uh, you know, you're not spitting in anyone's face. I feel like um, you're, you're totally allowed. Apparently we are being selfish because there are people that are, like I said, like immunocompromised that can't do those things. And we're by us doing this, we're making it continue to be unsafe for them to come out. Because if we would just fucking stop, then the coronavirus would go away and then they could come out of the house again, kind of thing. And I'm, you know, I don't know. I have to sit with it for a little while, but basically, somebody whose opinion I tend to line up with quite a lot has posted this quite long spiel about how you shouldn't be going out to restaurants. And then I was like reading the comments underneath about that were like by servers. And they were saying uh, they don't want to be at work, but they have to be at work. So don't, don't like, 
don't go out because you want to support us. Like, we don't want to be there. Like, so what oh, am I supposed right. to do with that information? Yeah. Like, you're, you're there, but you yeah. don't want to be there. And so I go, which pays your wage and you get a tip off me. Like, what am I supposed to do with that information? Am I supposed to stay home so that you're just at the restaurant alone? And so yeah. the restaurant's close again and then you have no income? I don't know how... To yeah. remedy this situation. Essentially, it comes down to capitalism sucks and the government should be looking after people, not having people go to work when it's unnecessary is the bottom line. So that yeah. we can't use the excuse, well, we're we're paying your wage by going and eating out at the restaurant. We're well, no longer has that. Exactly. Maybe support businesses and capitalism sucks. That's fine. I get that message. But I can't stop capitalism yeah yeah i can't stop from living under the system in which we live i have Plus, to function like within it first first time going out in like almost a year right well we were looking at it it's like so we're going on six months of but we've been to like we've been to like pubs like pubs a couple times like we've been out to eat a few times yeah some places do masks some places don't the only thing is like when you're moving around you have to wear a mask but like once you've sat down the mask is off and everyone's drinking and everyone's chatting and everyone's jovial only a few places have i seen the visor um at the place that we went that we stayed at it was a gorgeous place um with amazing sushi um they weren't wearing visors or masks oh were they wearing masks they were wearing, actually, I'm remembering wrong. Yeah. I think they were wearing masks. They should have I been. I stand corrected. Yeah, no, they were wearing masks. The servers wear masks, yeah. So you're not wearing masks, but the servers are. Yeah. Um, The only time I've not seen people wearing masks is, like, if they're working behind the bar. But I, am, I assume that's because they're bubbled with the people that are behind the bar. Yeah, exactly. There was a whole thing in the spiel as well that said that, like, every time you go out to eat, you should shield for two weeks. And huh. I was like, I've never heard that. When yeah. when have I when have they ever said that after you go out to eat, you should shield for two weeks? I've never heard that advice once. You've made that up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not... It doesn't sound out of the realm of uh, good precautions, but still, like, uh, come on. Come on. Don't even, they don't even shield for two weeks in the NHS when you've been exposed. When you've been exposed, they only um, shield you for one week, and then they test you again. And if you test negative, then you go back to work. Yeah. So the, the two-week thing is is an arbitrary number that was given out at the beginning of the the pandemic that is no longer followed by even the medical profession. Or my president. <clears throat> well, not get into that. Move on, because he makes me angry. Yeah, we'll we'll carry on. But anyway, so I I was going to do it, you know, the bad thing about the bum twitches and the good thing about being able to get out of the house and treat myself on my birthday. But then someone made me feel bad about that. So I don't know if I should feel good about having gone out and and had a good time on my birthday. Because now I feel like, oh, have I spread coronavirus around the whole world now? Is everything my fault? No. So I don't know what to think anymore. let you let yourself sit in the joy of having had a nice birthday. Because I, I think that's lovely, and I think that was well-deserved. <laughs> Thanks, but God, what happens if I have spread it or given it to someone else? What if I'm asymptomatic and I'm carrying it around like a fucking asshole? 
But didn't they say that uh, people who are asymptomatic actually don't spread it so much? It's people who have the, the lower symptoms, the milder symptoms, the ones that are actually symptomatic uh, are, are more, more likely to be carriers. It, it's 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 if you're if you end up symptomatic, but you can be uh, contagious for up to a few days beforehand. If you're asymptomatic, you're less likely to carry it. Just throwing that out there. Oh, my God, this thing sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's all fucking stupid. Shall we just, like, breathe in nice things and breathe out coronavirus? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All over our microphones. <laughs> all right. On the count of three. One, two, three. I love you. Happy late birthday. Hi, thank you. I love you too. Yes. <laughs> she didn't sound sure, you guys. I'm, I'm really insecure about this right now. Some some things are just... I don't know where I was going with that sentence. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, today's episode is about yokai. Well, it's... <laughs> Jesus. That was high-pitched. As you can tell, that was... That was the sound of Melanie's favorite thing. Uh, Melanie, you actually introduced me to Yokai many, many years ago with a film called Yokai Monsters from 1968, which is a fucking weird, tastic, fucking romp through weird, weird, weird shit. Uh, it's, I highly recommend it. It's actually three movies, all released in the same year, called Yokai Monsters. Um, and then also Takashi Miike remade it some years later. Mm-hmm. It's batshit crazy concept. Um, I don't want to spoil it. There's just the, t- the it's it's called Yokai Monsters, 100 monsters, and there really are 100 monsters in it. Mm-hmm. Actually, the think I think the one I showed you was Spook Warfare, which is the second of the series. Okay, just throw that out there. Sorry. Okay, I did, I wasn't sure. I, I was very young and stoned. Yeah. <laughs> so from that I have a pretty pr- pretty superficial understanding of what they are and if you listen to the podcast regularly you know that Mel likes to bring a relevant yokai to the table any chance she gets so here is your opportunity Melanie to really get into it tell me and our undead fishes what the heck are yokai mm-hmm. all right so according to Wikipedia Yokai are a class of supernatural monsters and spirits in Japanese folklore. The word yokai is made up of the kanji for bewitching, attractive, calamity, and specter, apparition, mysterious, mystery, suspicious. I don't know why I said mystery weird. I did. I'm on it. Yokai range diversely from the malevolent to the mischievous, or occasionally bring good fortune to those who encounter them. Yokai can be anything from the spirit of a hammer to a demon, a ghost, or a swirling storm of blade-laden weasels. So yokai is a catch-all term for all beasts, ghosts, fae, goblins, demons, and supernatural strangeness. Creatures used to explain the unexplainable, or sometimes the very explainable, like STDs. Yokai are stories told to explain the world around them. Is that the sound of water running through the reeds? Or is it the azukitoji, the little man-shaped yokai with big eyes, a giant silly grin, and three fingers on each overly-sized hand washing his azuki beans in the stream? What are these strange stains on the ceiling? Could it be a leak? Or could it be Tenjoname, an extremely tall figure with face like a dog and a massively long tongue used to lick dust and grime off the ceiling? Yokai are vital, or were vital, in shaping Japanese culture. 
Historians consider the Shinto or the Kami no Michi as the indigenous religion of Japan. So it is a nature religion. Shinto is polytheistic and revolves around the belief that spirits or kami inhabit all things. Kami is kind of like, it's, it's synonymous with spirits and gods. So just kind of throwing that out there. Living, non-living, everything is potentially sentient. The link between the kami and the natural world has led to Shinto being considered animistic and pantheistic. With this kind of religion being the predominant faith until Buddhism was introduced in the 6th century, it's not hard to understand why the belief in yokai was so popular. In early Japan, and even today, the people didn't really see themselves as autonomous entities, but rather at the mercy of circumstance and outside forces. Devil made me do it type mentality. There are many, 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 many different kinds of yokai. So here we go a little bit into each one. Some of them should be obvious, but then some aren't. So obvious one, ghosts. Well, they're ghosts. Just like with every ghost story ever told, the ones that stick out in Japanese folklore usually have to do with gruesome deaths, brutal miscarriages of justice, and just general nastiness. This is how we get the lingering spirits that are so frightening, their stories spread from prefecture to prefecture. I'll definitely get into those when we get into story time, but explaining them much further just doesn't seem necessary. Um, in the 13th century, we see the rise of inanimate object yokai, or just like object yokai, such as one of my favorites, the Kaso Obake which is an umbrella with a long tongue, a single eye, and sometimes a single leg with its foot in a sandal. Tools, umbrellas, canes, musical instruments, all of these are now potential yokai. It's believed that with the advancement of handcrafts, now more people had access to tools and just, you know, things. And with better access to stuff, it becomes easier to discard stuff. These kinds of yokai are called, oh, this is such a, this is a hard one, suk. Sukumagami. I apologize if I mangled that. Sukumagami, or haunted objects. The principle here being that when an object has been in use or in the family for 99 years and then becomes discarded, other yokai take pity, or sometimes the spirit pleads to nearby yokai, and they all have their own prayers and their all own like Shinto ceremonies where they gain their yokai form and sort out ways to get their revenge. Now, these are usually pretty petty and usually just in it to freak people out pranks, a lick on the cheek in the middle of the night, music from nowhere kind of stuff. In old Japan, when something needed to be discarded, it was actually fairly common practice to take their items to a Shinto shrine to appease its spirit. But the nobles and the wealthy and generally careless were less likely to do this, and hence much more prone to being haunted by an old pair of shoes. <clears throat> Animals. So, like I said before, Japan has a solid root in animist belief. The Shinto believe that every single thing has a spirit, and animals are no exception. The first animal yokai that comes to mind is another of my favorites, the kitsune, the fox with nine tails. Now, actually, it starts as most foxes do with a single tail, but most stories say that every hundred years the fox grows another, up to nine tails in all. The more tails, the older, wiser, and more powerful the kitsune is. Almost all the stories are very similar to uh, selkie tales from Ireland. Kitsune are shapeshifters, usually tricksters luring men into debaucherous nights, having their way and embarrassing them in the morning. Some are more malevolent, but most stories involve a kitsune taking the form of a beautiful woman, like a selkie, seducing a, uh, seducing a man so that she may bear his child, and right when the man has truly fallen in love with her and their child, she and the cub disappear forever. Some kitsune in human form have little tails, a coating of fine hair on their bodies, a fox-shaped shadow, refusing to be near mirrors for they reflect their true form. There's actually a lot about kitsune, so much so that I have to stop myself or we'll have a half-hour dissertation on the behavior and tells of the kitsune. So, still... <laughs> 
there are many, many, many animal yokai in the pantheon. And gods. Oh, yes, children, so many gods. So here's a little tiny Shinto lesson for you all. It's very small, I promise. Shinto has no founder, no overarching doctrine, no religious texts. The Kojiki, or the records of ancient matters written in 712 CE, and the Nihon Shoki, which is the Chronicles of Japan written in 720 CE, contain the earliest record of Japanese creation myths. And in ancient traditions, there are five defining characteristics of kami, or gods. One, kami are of two minds, much like most deities. They can nurture and love when respected, or they can cause destruction and disharmony when disregarded or spurned. Kami must be appeased in order to gain their favor and avoid their wrath. Traditionally, Kami possess two souls, one gentle, the other assertive. Two, Kami are not visible to the human realm. Instead, they inhabit sacred spaces, natural phenomena, or people during ritual rituals that ask for their blessing. Three, they are mobile, visiting their places of worship, which there can be several, but never staying forever. So unlike a lot of deities where, like in Greek mythology, you have them at... Uh, Olympus? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, or are the big G up in, in heaven. These guys, they don't have any resting place. They don't have any place where they stay long term. They're just kind of everywhere. Um, four, there are many different varieties of Kame. There are 300 different classifications of Kame listed in the Kojiki, and they all have different functions, such as the Kame of wind, Kame of entryways, and the Kame of roads. And lastly, all Kame have a different guardianship or duty to the people around them. Just as the people have an obligation to keep the Kame happy, the Kame have to perform, this, perform the specific function of the object, place, or idea that they inhabit. So Kame are an ever-changing concept, but their presence in Japanese life has remained constant. Whereas unlike, you know, with most polytheistic faiths, it, it kind of dwindles down as science takes over or as one main religion takes over everything else. The belief in Kame and, and gods is still pretty prevalent in Japan. The Kame's earliest roles were as earth-based spirits, assisting the early hunter-gatherer groups in their daily lives. They were worshipped as gods of the earth, mountains, and sea. As the cultivation of rice became increasingly important and predominant in Japan, the Kame's identity shifted to more sustaining roles that were directly involved in the growth of crops, such as Amaterasu, Omakami, the sun goddess, Inari Omakami, the god of rice and agriculture, Fujin, the god of wind. This relationship between early Japanese people and the Kame was manifested in rituals and ceremonies meant to entreat the Kame to grow and protect the harvest. Now, yokai, for the most part, were feared. Refect respected, but feared. In the 13th century, yokai art became more prevalent. By depicting yokai in art, the people developed a different relationship with them. The fear was still there, but by putting a face to them, the fear was more tolerable. The reverence, a bit easier. Uh, then the 18th century began and the yokai craze set off by the publication of the Illustrated Night Parade of a Hundred Demons by Toriyami Sekien. It was an illustrated guide, like a bestiary, absolutely beautiful and crazy popular. Suddenly, yokai are everywhere. Art, folding screens, sculptures, even discreetly printed on the linings of kimonos. And now they're even less threatening because everyone has a favorite yokai. They're like celebrities. I'm a total Rokorokubi fangirl, so just saying. And it just grew even more from there. And now there are popular animes, mangas, and more. So, with that rather abrupt end to my definition, want to do some stories? Yes, please. Okay. Something tells me you're going to like this guy. You probably <laughs> know him, but you're going to like him. So, probably the most popular and recognizable of all yokai is, do you, can you guess? 
No, I'm probably nude. No. The Kappa. Okay. Also known as the River Child. Did you have any questions about my definition? No, no, no. I was I was listening very intently. I didn't realize that it was still um, so prominent. I thought that maybe it was kind of like they they knew about it as part of culture, and as you know, like the society would almost like almost like ironically, like tongue in cheek, still yeah. embrace it, but not that it was like a genuine day to day. Well, I think with most of the yokai, it's a tongue-in-cheek thing. Uh, okay. When it comes to their their kame, their gods, I, I do believe that it's it's a bit more than that. Um, particularly because Japan is still it's kind of split between uh, Buddhism and Shinto. So I mean, they're they're both the the top dog religions of Japan. So there is still that very prevalent faith in um, you know everything having a spirit, everything, and treating everything with respect. Um, I do love that when something was going to be discarded, they took it to a Shinto shrine. I thought that yeah. was kind of great. Yeah, can you imagine taking your blender down to the church? <laughs> can you right? make sure that this is not cursed? I don't want to be haunted by my blender. Yeah, yeah, please, please. I mean, but also, nobody holds on to, very few people hold on to anything for over 100 years, so. Yeah, it's considered a 99-year gap on that. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, back then it was much more common, you know, a cane had to stay in the family kind of thing. Um, even sandals were, were kept in the home for very, very, very long time. Um, musical instruments, these things were just held on to because getting new stuff just wasn't as common. Uh, you, you had what you had and you just held onto it. So, yeah. I mean, even their plates and, and I mean, they're, they're just everything. <laughs> everything could potentially become a yokai. It was really cool. So... Onto Kappa. They inhabit lakes, rivers, ponds, and basically anywhere with water. They are roughly the size and shape of a human child, with skin that is scaly and most commonly green, but it can be red or blue. Long, webbed, thumbless hands and feet, a turtle-like beak and shell on its back. Three anuses. They fart three times as much as we do. This is honestly a point covered in their folklore. <laughs> <laughs> and a dish-like depression on top of their skulls. This dish is a source of the kappa's power, and it must always be filled with water, for without water in it, they become unable to move, and they may even die. Omnivorous, their preferred diets are of cucumbers, and the human liver, and anus. Actually, what they want is the shirukodame, which is the shirukodama, and this is the mythical ball at the mouth of the anus. And in order for the kappa to steal the liver, the kappa must first remove our mystical anus ball. So now some real life lesson for you. Drowning victims, okay, are often found with a distended anus, swollen and often protruding from the body. Bet you didn't know that. No. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> it's gross. It's weird. And somebody had to explain it. So, hey, mystical anus ball. Some folklorists believe that this ball actually relates to the term dhamma, which is the life force or soul. And it's sometimes called the tanden. Um, it's like the place in our body beneath our navel, our navel that is the focal point of age-old yogic breathing. So because it's down there, they kind of went, well, that, that must be where our soul sits. Whatever the reason, it gets yanked out by the kappa. And they are, so they are revered as water gods. And like with most gods or kame, they have the good and the bad, right? They can be kind, 
teaching people the ways of setting bones and medicine. They can help you irrigate your fields and even befriend humans. Or they can be crass, dangerous creatures intent on drowning, raping, and eating humans. So, you know, options. It is, one of also, it is also one of the very few yokai that can speak human language. In the water, if the kappa decides that he wants to kill you, you are pretty much boned. There's just no getting out of it. They're strong. They're ten times stronger than mortal people, they're, even though they're half our size. They're gnarly, vicious guys. But if you get one on land, there's a little trick for you. If you are being pursued by a kappa on land, simply turn around and bow. Why, you may ask? The kappa are honorable in nature. It's just kind of fundamentally. So if you bow at them, they'll bow back. And if you bow real low, or if you bow repeatedly, eventually water will come out of the dish on tops of their heads as they bow lower and lower, or with each descending bow. Eventually their head bowl will empty and they will be made to swear loyalty and friendship to you for the rest of their lives. Or, you know, they'll stop moving and die. So either way, win-win, not getting eaten by a kappa. Nice. There is actually a Sogenji temple in Matsugaya that actually features a mummified kappa hand, and it's really creepy looking. I love it so much. It's long, and it's got these big old, like, creepy nails on it, and it has no thumb. It's a webbed fingers. So great. I'm, I want one so bad. I mean, obviously, I can't have a mummified kappa hand, but if I was going to go for any kind of, like, ancient relic type, religious relic type thing... That would be the one. That's the one I want. Yeah, that's pretty hand. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the legend goes that the area that the temple was built in was actually prone to frequent flooding. And in the 1800s, a local umbrella and raincoat merchant named Kihachi Kapaya started, to, uh, started an effort to reduce the flooding. It is said that he enlisted the aid of multiple kappa to get his job done. So with this legend in mind, the temple has become known as Kapadera, a Zen Buddhist temple, which is unusual because... Buddhist temples don't often feature yokai. A Zen Buddhist temple decorated in sculptures and artwork of kappa everywhere you look. And yes, like I said, mummified kappa hand. Dope. <laughs> so, like I mentioned before, a little thing about whirling blade of, uh, whirling wind of armed weasels, whatever. Kama itachi, wind weasels or sickle weasels. I just want you to know I'm not making this up. Kama Itachi are weasels that have learned to ride the wind. They come in like a small tornado or whirlwind. They have claws long and sharp as daggers, pointed and curved like sickles, spiny hedgehog-like fur, and they bark like dogs, because why not? They attack in threes, swirling around you like you've been caught in a terrible gust of wind. The first weasel strikes at the victim's legs, knocking him to the ground. The second uses his blade-like claws to deliver thousands and thousands of awful cuts and slices. And then the third applies a magic salve, which heals all of the wounds instantly so that none of the cuts are fatal. They can slice full chunks out of you with a, without a drop of blood being spilt. They're too fast to see, and from the victim's perspective, they must have just tripped over something and gotten a few mysterious cuts and scratches in the tumble. <laughs> Adorable. Right? Why? I don't know. It's like a yokai that exists between time. Well, and and with a lot of these yokai, what they do or what their sort of function is as a as a story to be passed around is to sort of explain weird instances, like when you take a tumble and have these scratches that you don't remember. Oh, it must have been the sickle weasels. 
you know, right. there's, there's like no other explanation or, or there's no other reason for them to exist. They don't typically have any reason to attack humans. They actually just eat like small mammals, like small mice and stuff. They don't eat us. They don't drink our blood. Um, they just like cutting us and knocking us to the ground. Yeah. Okay. Well, they do, they, they do you, do you, you do you, um, <laughs> word do I can't you. pronounce. <laughs> yeah. They do they. They do they. <laughs> okay. So the next one is another one of my, my absolute favorites. And I love this guy so much. The Mikoshi Nyudo. And, and I just want to, want to say, I'm so sorry for my terrible pronunciations. I'm doing my best to anybody who, who knows the language. I hope you understand me. Please understand me. Okay. So Mikoshi Nyudo appears as a traveling priest or monk late at night on empty roads, intersections, or bridges. At first, completely unthreatening, just a simple old man, old monk or priest. But woe be to you if you happen to lock eyes with him. Instantly, his giant neck elongates to an immense height, as tall as the victim can raise his eyes and just as fast. As the person raises his head to follow the extreme growth and change of the creature in front of him, they usually tumble backward at the effect, and the Mikoshinudo lunges forth to bite out their exposed throat with his teeth. When no longer pretending to be human, they, are mo they have monstrously long necks, coarse beast-like hair, and demonic claws. So if you see a priest or monk in the night, it is foolish to try to avoid eye contact and walk past, because they will feel spurned and crush you to death or spear you with bamboo or branches. Same goes if you try to run away. There is only one way to defeat the Mikoshin Yudo, and that is to look it in the eye and then stare right at its feet and yell something along the lines of, I anticipated your trick, I see you, and it'll be so angry it just disappears. Wow. The pictures of this guy are so great. Just, you know, little, little little monk body and just this monstrously long neck like with like a serpentine underbelly so good i wonder if monks and shit like when they're wandering around at night get that a lot like people staring <laughs> at their feet going i anticipated your trick yeah just yelling at people just yelling at them yeah and he has, they have to go like no i'm just gonna go get some noodles <laughs> well a lot of yokai take the form of monks or are similar to monks and i think some of that comes from i mean because the shinto and the buddhists they they actually get along pretty pretty well as far as i as far as i know there's no you know big battle between them but the shinto do also see the monks as silly so there's a lot of it where it's just sort of like making fun of monks it's right it's kind of a fun funny thing <laughs> right okay I wonder if they do get it a lot, though. Oh, yeah. I'm sure of it. So Buddhist monks listening, write in. Let us know. Yeah, or just, you know, I mean, particularly in the 13th through the 16th century, uh, <laughs> the 13th through the 18th century, there was just probably a lot of monk hassling. Okay, uh, so if you're a listener and you're a monk from the, like, 13th to 16th century, write in. Let us know. <laughs> we want to hear from you. Yeah, exactly. So this one I thought was interesting only because um, I don't watch a lot of anime. Um, I'm really, really, really picky about it. But there's one anime that I really loved, and it's called Death Note. And it, even though the ending may not have been fantastic, uh, I still love the shit out of that show. Have you seen Death Note? I have, I have seen Death Note, and I binged it so quickly that I don't really remember so much about it, but I have seen it. I remember enjoying it. Um, 
and it's quite popular in culture um in western culture as well so yeah that's a really good movie which movie the live action movie i thought was pretty good the netflix one i think so oh i was i was angry about it mainly because now it was Americanized, which which bothers. No, me. no, the characters in it were. It was definitely Japanese. The one I'm okay. thinking of. Oh, so maybe... oh, yes, yes, you're right, you're right. There's a live action Japanese movie. I think there may have even been two. Those those were all right. Yeah. yeah. The Netflix American one can just suck my dick. That one. <laughs> the only thing I liked was Ryuk, but that's just because I think Ryuk is hot no matter what. It's really really hot. But that brings us to Shinigami or Death Spirits. So. In Death Note, they just they sort of imply that the Shinigami are like death gods. It's not really the case. Shinigami is a broad term for spirits of the dead which wish to harm the living. Some consider them death gods, but most just consider them like malicious ghosts. They look like corpses, gray with horrifying faces, bulging eyes, distorted mouth, elongated features. Some people say that they act as reapers. Attracted to death, they appear at the bodies of recently deceased. They lurk around scenes of gruesome deaths and haunt evil places. Some say they urge the living to commit suicide. They don't eat anything. They simply exist to perpetuate death. They are the spiritual embodiment of the belief that evil begets evil. So, to anybody who watched Death Note, wanted to lo- know a little bit more about Shinigami, that's kind of it. But they're still great. Shinigami is, tales are beautiful. Was this the category that you'd get your... um? like baby snatching lady ghosts and your like scorned lover ghosts and your murdered children ghosts and that sort of thing where we've transcribed that to horror culture yeah exactly um like uh uh or juan yeah those those are malicious ghosts and they probably have their own yokai name or title but they would in effect be shinigami Right. This one's neat. This is the Itan Momen. It's possibly the most dangerous of the Sukumogami mm-hmm. or object ghosts. It's essentially a bolt or 10 yards of cotton. They can be seen flying through the skies at night, but they are malicious as hell. They attack by wrapping themselves around the face and neck of the victim, victims, smother, smothering or strangling them to death. Oh, I have heard of this. Yeah. Okay. It's like a death I, shroud. Yeah, but it's like ten full yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to know what pissed this bolt of cotton off so <laughs> bad that it's like active, like that, that that's the most malicious of the object ghosts. I'm actually not that surprised because I used to work in a fabric shop and those big reams of cotton and stuff that we had to cut for the middle of um, quilts, they were a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. They really are a pain in the ass. Like, you can't really move them around very easily. And then when you have to try to cut lengths off them, they fight you. So I'm genuinely having used those bolts of like 10 yard bolts of cotton and fleece and stuff they are a pain in the ass and they randomly fall on you even though you're nowhere fucking near them you could be walking 10 feet away maybe you've disturbed the floorboard that it's on i don't know but you'll just be like minding your own business and it'll fall on you and sometimes they're heavy and they'll bring everything with it and then you have five minutes we've got to clean up a bunch of bolts so i'm not surprised that this connected to an evil spirit because Big big bolts of, of fabric, big bolts of cotton and fleece, stuff like that. They've got minds of their own. Okay, okay. 
that actually that makes more sense now. <laughs> oh yeah, if you've ever worked in a fabric shop. Anecdote. They're just eyeballing you. <laughs> I do not like going in the room where those long bolts are. Let me just put it that way. Nice. <laughs> All right. So I think I have like three more. This one is great. This is the Akaname or filth liquor. These disgusting little dudes live in dirty baths, toilets, and abandoned homes. They survive solely on mold, slime, hair, scum, and human waste. They are small goblin-like creatures, roughly the size of a child, though some can be almost as big as an adult, but because of the way that they hunch, they appear much, much smaller. Humanoid, naked, greasy hair. They come in a variety of colors from rust red to mold green. They may have one or two eyes and prefer the dark and septic. The main defining feature is the long, thin tongue used to lick the grime and funk from the homes. And the they mega are... hat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Make America great again. <laughs> I won't cut they... that out. Well, and they are known to spread d- disease. So, you know, applicable. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Dropping Plus... facts. So, you know, clean your bathrooms. You don't want an Akaname or a... <laughs> you don't uh, want to grow a Trump supporter. You don't want to grow a Trump supporter in your in your bathroom. It's just not uh, pleasant. <laughs> I love that there's a yokai for that. Yeah. I love them so much. So, this one's my favorite. Rokuru Rokubi. And she's another one of the... She's almost as popular as the Kappa, and she is, hands down, my favorite. Rokuro, Rokuro Rokubi. I always fuck it up. I'm sorry. But that means pulley neck. By day, she's an ordinary woman. Any ordinary woman can be one of these yokai and never even know. As this woman goes to sleep, her neck will stretch to incredible lengths and roam freely. Sometimes the head will attack small animals. Often they just lick oil from lamps with their long tongues and sometimes just generally scaring the shit out of people. So how does a normal woman become a yokai, you ask? There are a few ways. One is that they went against their gods or nature and were cursed. Maybe they were unfaithful to their husband. But in most cases, it is the father or husband that committed the sin. As is customary, the men escape the punishment and the women receive the curse. For quite a long time before electricity was a thing, oil lamps were damn expensive or oil for lamps was damned expensive. Maybe the gods thought it was punishment that the men should have to pay for all the oil that the Rokurokubi felt compelled to lick. But there is another variant of this yokai called the Nukekubi. Instead of an elongated neck, the head completely detaches to travel even further. Nukekubi is considerably more bloodthirsty as well, literally sucking the blood from her victims, biting humans and animals to death. Treatments for the curse of the Rokurukubi and the Nukekubi have been long sought after, particularly because these women often pass the curse on to their daughters, who show signs as they mature. Afflicted girls were sold off to live in brothels or human circuses, or forced to commit suicide in order to preserve their family's honor. Bloody hell. Yeah. It's really sad. But she's so beautiful. Like, any art featuring the pulley neck yokai is just, it's, it's, the greatest it sounds like it might be rooted in the same sort of core human fear of what that that the bore vampires yeah so it's sort of like the japanese version of a vampire yeah 
Well, I mean, especially with the Nukekube, I mean, clearly that's that's like, you know, vampire bats or something that's like sucking the blood from from probably the livestock, making them ill, spreading disease, things like that. Um, and the fact that she's a human that has been inflicted with a supernatural illness um, and the way to cure her of that illness is to kill her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that sounds very familiar. And also that... Um, uh, to, yeah, the uh, sort of idea that she doesn't even have to have done anything wrong. She's a victim. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and most yeah. likely doesn't even know yeah. what what's happening. There was this one story of a man who uh, had this beautiful servant and he he was just like, hey, man, I got this really hot servant. This is great. But then he noticed that his oil lamps were going down at an alarming rate. So he goes, okay, one of my servants is clearly a Rokidurkubi. He's just like, God, I hope it's not the hot one. And he goes and he watches her while she sleeps. And she's she's sleeping, head on the pillow, whatever. And then her body turns, but her head stays on the pillow. Uh, as as oh. her... Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh! <laughs> yeah. Oh, he got rid of her quick. Found out that she could never keep a job because she was constantly just licking the lamp out of other people's... Uh, licking the oil out of other people's lamps. Um, I don't think that story ended in death, but, you know, a lot of them do. Classic men. Jeez, you know. that they resent having to pay for fucking oil. Yeah. Right. Amazing. <laughs> All right. And so one of the last ones I have written down, and I think we do have time to play my little game for maybe a little bit, if you're feeling like it, is the teke-teke. So called for the sound that she makes. Teke-teke. Oh, I know this one. Yes. Teke-teke is a ghost in a number of urban legends. So as it is with urban legends, the stories are mostly the same, but with small variants and changes. It's impossible to know the original story, but most stories go along these lines. There was a beautiful girl who was raped by someone. Uh, some of the sto- stories say like an American soldier came and raped her. Um, and she, she jumps, leaps off of a bridge onto a railroad track and is hit by an oncoming train. The impact completely severs her upper body from her lower. It was so cold that night, and with just the right circumstances that she did not die immediately. Squirming, wriggling, begging for help, she got none. A passerby sees her and covers her with a tarp instead of even trying to help her. According to legend, three days after hearing her story, you will see the ghost of a beautiful girl with no lower half. She runs with incredible speed. Even a car cannot outrun her. How, you ask? She runs on her hands. Palms slapping the floor, making the tick, 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 sound as she slaps the ground with inhuman speed. Some say she searches for her legs. Others say she is furious at humanity for not stopping to help her, leaving her to die slow, cold, and alone under a tarp. Shortly after hearing the legend, you, she will ask you a riddle, either in a dream or a mysterious phone call. The only way to escape death is to answer her questions exactly the right way. She will ask you, do you need your legs? And you must reply, I need them right now. And then she will ask you, who told you my story? And you must reply, Kashima Reiko. Ka as in mask, she as in death, ma as in demon, and re as in ghost. And uh, re as in ghost, and ko as in accident. If you answer her riddles without mistake, she may, may let you live. She scares the shit out of me, man. Yeah, yeah, she's pretty freaky. 
I was, I was, you know, reading about her last night. And like I told you, I, w- <laughs> I was up until very, very late writing this stuff out. And I just finally figured out how to make my phone loud enough that I can hear it because I've been having issues with it. <laughs> I'm reading <laughs> this story and Danielle sends me a message on WhatsApp and I fucking jumped out of my skin. <laughs> I threw something. I slapped Tim in the face. I was like, ah! And it's fine. <laughs> it freaked me out. There's just something about that sound that just running on her hands with no lower half. There's some really great Japanese horror movies about her, too. Throwing that out there. Yes. So that's what I have written. And I thought if we had some time, and it looks like we have a little bit. Are you up for it? Yeah. Okay. We'll do a fun game. (laughs) Give me a thing or a concept, and I'll try and find a yokai. Mobile phones. Hmm. Let's see. Oh, I'm getting cute little animals. I don't think those are applicable. Well, considering that most of these yokai... Uh, existed consider- a while, long while before mobile phones. I don't think I'm going to have luck with that one. I just wondered if maybe they had incorporated mobile phones into the lore of an existing yokai, or if they might have actually come up with a yokai for mobile. Now, there is a Japanese ghost called Satoru-kun. So you must perform a ritual to summon him with your phone. And if there's a question you need an answer to, Satoru Satoru Kun can help. According to urban legend, Satoru Kun is a Japanese spirit, ghost, or demon who appears in the form of a young boy. He knows everything about the past, the present, and the future, and can answer any question he's asked. Like the internet. Yeah, yeah. You know, Google's a little easier, but... uh, Yeah. Yeah, you insert the money, so you you need to have money, coins, a public phone box... And your own phone number and your own mobile phone. Step one: insert the money in a public phone box and dial your own mobile phone number. Step two: repeat the following chant: Satoru-kun, Satoru-kun, please come here. Satoru, Satoru, please show yourself. Satoru, Satoru, please answer me if you are there. After that, hang up the public payphone and turn off your own cell phone. If you did everything right, you will receive a phone call from Satoru-kun within 24 hours. Cool. Ooh. Ooh, wait, it gets better. Hold on. When he calls the first time, Satoru-kun will tell you where he is, and then he will hang up. He will call you several times, and each time, he will be closer and closer to where you are. The last time he calls, he will say, I am behind you now. this This is the time to really quickly answer your question. Rules. Rule one, do not turn around or try to look at him. Rule two, do not touch him. Rule three, do not call him if you do not have a question to ask. And rule four, when he's behind you, do not delay. Ask the question immediately. If you break any of these rules, you will die. And Satoru-kun will drag you down to hell. So, Google. Yeah, I was going to say, err on the side of caution there, guys, and just just pop pop your question into Google. Yeah. Plus, good luck finding a payphone now, too. Yeah, true. And you have to stay there for a day. Well, no, you just that's that's how you do the initial incantation, and then from then on, you know, you can go anywhere with your cell phone. Oh, he'll call he'll call your cell phone. Don't call him; he'll call you. Right. Okay. I thought that he was going to call the payphone. Right. No, I believe he calls your phone. Okay. Cool. That, All right. That makes more sense. <laughs> cool. Give me another one. Um. 
Okay. Um, alcohol. There are some good ones. Ooh, I like him. Okay, so this is the Ozake no Mushi. The translation is heavy drinking worm. Its habitat, the abdomen. Ozaki no Mushi has a bright red body with a number of worm-like appendages branching out. It's quite warm and drinks warmer and becomes warmer when his host drinks alcohol. It looks like a lumpy satchel tied up at the top. People infected with Ozaki no Mushi become heavy drinkers. If the satchel-like shell is broken, the Ozaki no Mushi erupts into what is lo- what looks like red sand throughout the body. In fact, these are countless other worms that live inside its red body. Even after its host dies, these parasites will live on inside the abdomen. So, you know, parasite, really. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, the picture's pretty... He looks so cute. He's got, he's got like, this, this, this head almost like the, the tip of a, of, like, semen or, like, a penis, just this little mushroom head. But his, his face is just like, oh, his big old white eyes and his little beard. <laughs> it's kind of shocked, a little tiny mouth. It's great. <laughs> I can't wait till the uh, uh, pictures that come out with oh, the promos. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's do maybe one, one or two more. What do you feel? Sure. Okay. What about kitty cats? We got cats. Bakeneko. Our evil cats. Or monster cats. Or ghost cats. Their diet is carnivorous, fish, bird, small animals, and occasionally humans. So their appearance are basically cats, feral and domestic, all over Japan. They're cats in houses, as pets, in farms like exterminators, or in cities as strays. Like many of Japan's animals, when cats live to an old age, they develop supernatural powers and transform into yokai. Bakeneko begin their supernatural life looking almost identical to an ordinary house cat. But soon, they begin to walk about on their hind legs. As they age and their powers increase, they grow large, indeed up to the size of a full-grown man, and sometimes even as big as a house. Bakeneko possess great shape-shifting abilities and disguise themselves as smaller cats or humans, sometimes even taking the shape of their own masters. Many learn to speak human languages. While in disguise, they are known to dress up as humans with towels wrapped around their heads, and in this form, Banakineko dance around merrily. While this sounds frivolous and even cute, Banakineko are a menace to any house that they live in or near. They can eat things that are much bigger than they are, and can even consume poisonous things without difficulty. It is possible for Banakineko to even eat its own master and then assume his form, living in his place. Is there one of these in Spirited Away? Was that a Bakaneko or Manekaneko? I believe so. There is a giant cat, isn't there? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's very popular. Like, Manekaneko is the the good luck version of the Bakaneko, and it's basically the waving cat that you see in, like, uh, you know, Chinatown, basically anywhere. Because what's really interesting about yokai is that they often have Chinese roots as well. Um, so Manekaneko has actually been taken as, as a, a Chinese thing, but it's also a, a yokai in Japanese lore as well. It's the good luck cat where like the Bakaneko after living its full life and, and living past 
what its full life should be, it becomes a yokai, develops these powers. But this thing becomes a, a creature of fortune and luck and joy and goodness. Whereas Bakaneko, they just kind of, they're all like, well, I've been doing this for a long time. Let's just, uh, let's just keep doing it. And then they're just a bit more, bit more malicious. They're really neat. I love them. Um, there are some really great pictures of the Bakanekos just being freaking huge and terrifying. Cool. So there's some cats for you. For for reference, one of my favorite websites ever, if you guys are ever just bored and you want to check out yokai, go to yokai.com. It's real easy, uh, but it's, it's so much fun. You can just click a letter and you'll see a bunch of words that you don't understand. Click any of them and you'll be happy. Mm. Uh, they have a random yokai finder that just like pulls a random yokai up like okay that's my yokai for the day um so let's see let's find a yokai by object all right danielle pick one back scratcher door gong wheel pillow or wall back scratcher back scratcher let's see what kind of back scratcher yokai we got Oh, well, it's cool, but I can't pronounce that. Uh, oh, that's terrible pronunciation. N-Y-O-I-G-I-Z-A-I. I'm going with that. It's terrible. But <laughs> Sounds right. The translation is a pun, meaning both free staff and exactly as you please. The appearance of the noijizai is a nyoi, a kind of priest staff, which has turned into a yokai after existing for many years. It also bears a very strong resen- resemblance to a magonote, or grandchild's hand, a back scratcher. Its only power is its ability to scratch that itchy spot on your back that you just can't seem to reach no matter how hard you try. Okay, I love this one. <laughs> I love this one. I fucking hate it when you get that itch right right in the right behind where your bra clasps, basically. Yeah, yeah. Right in the middle, right in the middle, dead center, right where the bra strap is. Bra yeah, so clasps. sometimes you can jiggle your bra strap and the 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 court like the, the the hook could scratch it for you but then you're like kind of yeah but then you've shifted your whole bra yeah, and everything's yeah. kind of off yeah it's not the best solution to the problem this guy sounds like a better solution yeah yeah he's got three eyes it looks like and he's got a furry butt uh yeah you'll see i'll post all of these pictures on on our <laughs> social medias because they're great and I'll probably throw in a couple more yokai on our social medias as well, because cool. I just, I can't stop with this stuff. I can't. And that leads us very perfectly into where will these posts, where will these posts be? <laughs> so if you have any questions, if you want to just berate me on how terrible my pronunciations are, if you have a favorite yokai, oh my God, please tell me because I freaking love them. Um, hit us up on our Facebook, our Instagram, or our Twitter, Zombie Fishbowl or Zombie Fishbowl Podcast. And you can also send us submissions for different topics that you'd like to hear about. We're running, we have a bunch, but we are starting to run through them. And eventually we're going to have to go back and do more about mummies or mermaids or some of the other topics that we've covered in the past. So more topics, more variety. Please hit us up at zombiefishbowlpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Do it. Thank you, Melanie, for that. And also thank you for all of that uh, information. Was it fun? Yeah, it was fun.
That's fun. Okay. That's very fun. I wasn't too over, too overwhelming or anything. No, well, I was fascinated. I just hope that other people are fascinated too. Cool. Um, yeah, fun. I will now pick another topic, and hopefully, it's something that other people find fascinating. Also, are you ready? Do it. Okay, so I'm gonna do a little bit of a <clears throat> random topic picker. Random topic picker. You're a random topic picker, and you're gonna pick a topic. Oh, that was. Bad. I loved. I loved it. I love it. It's that passion that comes in with topic. Topic. Trying to do like an Al Jolston type of thing, you see. (laughs) And the topic this week that has been randomly picked is possession. Ooh, nice. Yeah, so that couldn't... It doesn't say very strictly Christian demonic possession. It is simply possession so take it wherever you want to take it it just has to involve some kind of possessed thing thing, person concept (laughs) possession cool cool (laughs) it's quite a free topic to go yeah and go wherever you want with that and and a good one as we get closer to halloween as well you know i like i like trying to keep this in the ghouly ghosty realm for the month of december october december what the fuck am i (laughs) who are you where am i that is a very good point i believe that the next episode that we record will be our halloween episode Mm -hmm. so possession is the theme of our um episode and we will brainstorm on how we're going to make this one a little bit special because it is the halloween episode and halloween is pretty much the only holiday that is uh is pretty much the only holiday i enjoy and it's not because of uh, candy and it's not because of Halloween themed decorations. It's yeah. simply because the veil between the land of the living and the land of the dead is at its thinnest. Yes, ma'am. And I really, really love pumpkin flavored things. <laughs> I just like sticking my hands in pumpkin guts. Ah, yes. it's also the time of year where i get to purchase many things that have uh skeletons on them uh skulls like i've already bought two more skulls that it's the time of year where my decor preference is popular yeah did you see the the fiji mermaid skeleton i got i'm i'm not on facebook at the moment so if you posted Uh, it on facebook i didn't see it but if you send it to me on whatsapp i'll have a look yeah I live in a country that doesn't really embrace Halloween quite as much as the States. It's very much an American holiday, but they're starting to, and the supermarkets kind of come out with, it's like there'll be a thousand different things to choose from in the aisle, but one thing will appeal to me, but I'm happy that there's that one thing. So every year I probably pick up like two or three more Things that fit things. that I like, yeah. So eventually I'll have a good collection. I have put up the skull bunting around this room, which is why I keep looking up. Um, <laughs> I also like the uh, sort of Mexican-style muertos uh, imagery is kind of popular at the moment because I find it really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can pick up some some of those themed, that that, that kind of iconography. I feel kind of bad because it's commercial, so I'm sure Mexicans don't really appreciate it. But at the same time, it's good for me. 
Well, yeah, and, well, and there's some really great places where you can get some authentic, um, you know, made in Mexico, Dia de los Muertos uh, figures. And like my, my favorite things are the little shadow box scenes. Yeah. But I mean, you know me, I've been obsessed with, with this for ever. Yeah, we got uh, to collect them for as yeah. far as I yeah. remember. Yeah. Well, we lived in LA. Yeah. You know? <laughs> in, yeah. a, in a pre- predominantly Hispanic area. Um, and so, yeah, you could just, just pick up just really great Dia de los Muertos figures just like on the street uh, back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, I love that shit. So, yeah. yay! Yeah, I've gotten two things so far. I've got a palmistry reading, like, advertisement. Nice. And a little skull-like thing with, it uh, looks like astronomy etched into it. Yeah. So... If that's all I get this year, that's all I get. But they stay out year round. They don't go away. They get put I, up and then they stay. <laughs> side note, I sell some wicked, wicked badass skulls at my shop. I'm gonna get you one and send it to you because I think I think you'd love them. They're amazing. Okay, well I worry that they would get broken in the post, but it's a very good thing. I've got you a present as well that I need to send you. <laughs> so. Prezies! Yes. I, it's sitting on the shelf and I need to send it. Right, so we'll cut all that out. Um, <laughs> uh, next is our inevitable quote. Yes. So my quote hasn't really got anything to do with the okai or anything like that. So uh, I just feel like I've just got a little message for you guys. And it's a little bit of Jean-Luc Picard wisdom. And it's a bit heavy, but we'll, we can handle it. With the first link, the chain is forged, the first speech censored, the first thought forbidden, the first freedom denied, chains us all irrevocably. Jean-Luc Picard. And I use this one because I just kind of want to remind all our American listeners that you need to vote. Yes. Don't become victims of tyranny and fascism. Freedom is literally on the line for you at the moment. So don't forget to register and don't forget to vote because it only takes one link at a time to form a chain. Yeah. All right. I know that's kind of heavy and shit, but I really fear for you guys. I mean, it's not perfect over here, but it's not fascist. Yeah. And it's getting that way over there. And I don't understand how people don't see it. They don't see that the limitation, the limit, limiting of certain freedoms and the acceptance of certain behaviors are literally leading people down a path towards totalitarianism and fascism. And it's crazy that people don't recognize it. And the rest of the world does. And we're all watching you all going, what the actual fuck are they doing? What the actual fuck are they doing? What the yeah. fuck is wrong with them? So please, guys, make sure you go vote. And I refuse to believe that you're all as stupid as we think you are. So prove us all wrong. We're not, but the ones that aren't, the ones that aren't as stupid are not as loud. So it's like with every, with every group of shitty people, they may even be in a minority, but because they're louder, that's all you see. Yeah, so prove us, prove prove to the rest of the world that the most the more most of you are level headed, logical and compassionate people because we can't hear you. So scream yeah. with your ballot box. Doing it. Done. And even then you're gonna have a struggle because he's already said that he's not gonna accept it sitting down. He's gonna he's 
it's, it's going to be a horrendous. And also, um, please, I'm sure that this is preaching to the choir, but I've known this my whole like voting life. Like, and I don't understand how other people don't understand this, but there's no such thing as um, election night. Like, it doesn't yes. exist. So, like, Especially you're not going right to find now. out. Yeah, yeah. got to brace yourselves for like a good couple weeks of yeah. hashing this shit out. There's no, like, there's even, just cast your mind back to every election you've ever witnessed. Did you know who was president in the next the next morning? Or did it take a couple days or a week for it to come in? I mean, even when Bush was elected, there was for a week or two afterwards, it was still iffy as to whether Al Gore won. So just keep that in mind. By the way, he did. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we won't go into that. Oh my God, can you imagine how different the world would be had Al Gore actually been put into office because he did win that election? Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, All the things that would have been. It's another bad thing that happened in the year 2000. Was that year 2000? Yeah. I think it was the year 2000, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is why I'm a liberal anarchist, man. System's <laughs> broken, dude. All right, anyway, vote. Yeah, go vote. That's That was my um, little thing. And, and and just to kind of like pick us up a little bit, I have a Kirk quote that might, that might make you feel a little bit better. Um, and it's true, hopefully. The prejudices people feel about each other disappear when they get to know each other. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes you just need some Star Trek captain wisdom. <laughs> you know, they're captains for a reason. They sure are. Stan. Can't wait to meet Janeway. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited. So yeah, sometimes you just need track. Yeah, exactly. But I've got to get ready for work now, love. Yes, and I've got to make tea. So it's been a pleasure, and we'll cut most of that little spiel out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just felt like uh, dropping some some trekky wisdom. I think we all needed that. You know, even if you don't like Trek, the there's you're a mutant but you know there's yeah. there's something something to be said about uh, those captains so yeah we love you guys we will see you next time with some possession and halloween goodness yes mm. oh, ah, ah, ah. oh god oh, don't oh, oh. Oh. anyway all right all have a good one and uh yeah. talk soon all right Mwah. bye, bye.